Welcome to another controversial episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I'm your host, uh, Nate Larkin, and joining me is the real host, the co-host, but the guy, the brains behind this enterprise, Aaron Porter. How you doing, brother? Just, just as uncomfortable as ever when you do these introductions. Uh, <laughs> great. Oh, I'm, man. I am looking at a weather forecast that has little thunderbolts on it and thinking, is it going to, are we going to get a thunderstorm? I mean, this is maybe once every three or four years around here. I'm so excited. That would be awesome if you guys would actually get some rain. Yeah, but I mean, thunder and lightning. How fun is that? I know that's normal for you, but I find it to be quite majestic. Yeah. All right. Well, I do hope that you guys out there in the central coast of California do get some good solid precipitation, maybe some exciting uh, noise and flashes. But lightning, doesn't lightning raise the risk of forest fires? Aren't some of those wildfires sparked by lightning? I don't know. Who cares about all of that? I just want the lightning and the thunder and a little awe in my life. I want a little awe. <laughs> Burn it all down, but give me the awe. All right. So speaking of awe, how was your uh, your weekend with Mr. Cusick in uh, beautiful Colorado? You know what? I just got back from the, uh, from the uh, Restoring the Soul, or uh, I guess it's Surfing for God weekend that Michael Cusick and his gang of pirates does out there and I, it was wonderful it really was wonderful it was cool to see that there were a number of samson guys uh there on the weekend this is my second time going through the weekend and uh, i was gonna say how did it compare what, what, huh? what how did it compare what was different yeah well i was more in the groove this time uh you know i get pushed into or placed into, invited into, you know, kind of facilitating co-leading groups. And I was so tentative the first time because I didn't know what the hell was going on. Mm. This time I was a little bit more clued in, so more relaxed, less self-conscious, more able to focus on the men in my group. And uh, also more able to spend some time in personal, uh, you know, introspection, uh, it was very refreshing and challenging, deeply moving, a lot of emotion over the week, uh, some fresh insight, made some new connections that I hadn't made before between the gospel and recovery. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, very, very good weekend. Uh, so highly, how many days was it? Because I called you when you were on your way. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, well, I headed out early because the staff, it, it, it's much like a new Adam weekend in that there's a, there are as many staff as there are, uh, we don't call them, they don't call them initiates, I forget what they call participants. them. Participants. Participants, yeah. Um, so, and this is, you know, so the, the, the staff spends a day together before the participants even arrive. And Michael really focuses on us. That's really good. So I got there on Wednesday. Participants arrived on Thursday. And then it went through until Sunday. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So intense. And a beautiful country out there, uh, you know, within sight of Pikes Peak, mm -hmm. south of Denver there. Just absolutely majestic. Gorgeous. Did you go to your, your favorite Pikes Peak brewing? Yeah. Uh, no, I went to a, uh, with my good friend uh, Matt Ward and his wife and yeah. some other folks. 
no, no, they took me, they, they took me elsewhere, but I did imbibe of, uh, of the nectar. Yeah, it was great. Did, did they take you down to that pizza place they like? Last time when I was with the wards, they took me to a fantastic little place with wonderful pizza. Yeah, no, no, didn't go there either. Yeah. I know where, I know where you're talking about. That's down in Palmer Lake, but, and I was kind of hoping to go to O'Malley's, which is where Michael usually takes the staff first night, place where you grill your own steaks. Wait, there's a restaurant you grill your own steaks? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a great, almost like a biker bar. Uh, and what, they just hand you, you, you point at a slab and they put it on your plate raw and you take it over right. to the, that's yeah. what, that's literally what happens? Yeah, 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 you take I, it over and you grill it yourself. I have never heard of anything like that, but that really minimizes the sendback ratio of this isn't cooked right. <laughs> I wanted medium. No complaints about yeah, things, <laughs> no. anything's not cooked right. It's it's a shut up and do it yourself policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I want to go there. That's O'Malley's. Is that in uh, what's a monument? Well, it's uh, it's uh, close to monument in that little burg of Palmer Lake. Okay, just a little bend in the road. Yeah, and Allie and I head off tomorrow. And when we conclude this podcast, I'm going to go put a car top carrier on top of the. The mini SUV, first time I've ever mounted that sucker. But I need the luggage space because we're taking Kristen and her kids, Allie and me, driving out to Western North Carolina to meet up with Daniel, my youngest son, his wife, Jenny, and their two kids. David, our oldest, is coming out, too. We're going to have a kid and grandkid uh, weekend at a farm in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Ah, very cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I don't want to work on Maggie's farm anymore, but I am curious if <laughs> it's a horrible segue, a horrible segue with a bad joke. Uh, but now the song's stuck in my head. Yeah. Uh, have you got any feedback from these strange episodes that we've been having on male privilege and white privilege? Uh, I've, I've had a few conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did had a couple of phone conversations with guys after the white privilege one. We pushed some buttons uh, and uh, a little bit of pushback on that one. I've gotten some uh, verbal feedback on the male privilege episode. Uh, and then just. Uh, oh, <laughs> I was about to read a letter, a great letter we got, and then I see it just, I got a follow-up from the letter. Forgot to add, if you wouldn't mind, please don't air these comments on the next <laughs> podcast. Oh. I think they might come across as insensitive given the current political circuses, which I just found out about today since I don't watch the news. Oh, holy smokes, when we talk about gender stuff, uh, man, this is right we're in the middle of a cultural crisis and feelings are emotions run high. Feelings are hot, uh, reopening an awful lot of wounds. Mm, yeah. So yeah, we're having difficult conversations. And what I appreciate Aaron about the way you're conducting these interviews is that what you're, you're just setting them up to say, we just want to listen, right. help us understand what we don't know. Or help us at least to see your perspective that we ordinarily we have no clue about. Uh, and it's difficult to listen uh, to, to the perspective of someone whose point of view is entirely different from your own, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, that's to not or, or to suppress the the defenses and the arguments that come up because yeah. I, I have not agreed. I don't even know if that's the right word. I've, I've had thoughts on certain things that have been said throughout these interviews where I'm like, well, wait a minute, what about, but that's, yeah. I have to remind myself, no, I'm just trying to see this through this person's perspective. Yeah. Uh, and so many of my conversations have come back around to uh, people's strong feelings about the word privilege that, yeah. And so once it goes down that trail, you can't hear what the other person's saying as much. And here's, here's what gets me. I thought, <laughs> I thought I was so far above this. Like, I don't, I don't think about other people's privilege. You know, everyone's just dumping it on me as the street mm-hmm. white guy. Yeah. And then I saw uh, Jim Carrey recently on the Bill Maher show, Politically Incorrect. Is that still what it's called? Or was that his old show? I don't know what it's called, but it's still Bill Maher. Yeah. So he was on there and he starts going into a rant on socialism. So Jim Carrey from Canada. Yeah. uh, He goes on this rant about we need to stop making this a bad word or being embarrassed of it. Socialism is amazing. And we need to give all our money to poor people. And, And it started going down this, this trail that I started getting really pissed off. I'm like, excuse me, mm-hmm. rich guy, you are telling me that I need to do what with my money? Like, what what right do you have to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing when you have no money issues at all? Yeah. And I stopped in that moment and thought, oh, crap. That's the exact thought, right? That, that I'm saying, why am I being shut out of conversations just because I'm white? Why am I being shut out of conversations because I'm straight? And yet in my mind, that was the exact thing I was doing to Jim Carrey. Like, shut up. You have too much money to get to participate in this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was that was illuminating towards my own heart in that. Yeah, illuminating, humbling. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> no, we I, have one more. I, I we walked away just as arrogant. Conversation. I'm sorry? <laughs> I walked away just as arrogant. It, it didn't humble me, but it was illuminating. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we have one more hard conversation, one that's especially difficult for Christians. Uh, yeah. How uh, is life experienced by those around us who we're called uh, to love, uh, whose sexual orientation uh, is different from ours? How do we understand their lifestyle? How do we understand how, and, and, and can we empathize for the way they experience life in this world? Right. So listening to this interview, the Christian has to be careful to remember we're not talking about, well, what does the Bible say about being gay? Is it right? Or is it a sin? Is it all those types of topics? That's not what we're talking about. No. We're doing exactly what you said, which is, Hey, okay, tell me your experience. And uh, one of the two people that we're talking to is an, uh, an active member of her church. Um, and so we're, we're kind of getting that perspective, even of what her experience is within the church. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. And it was what an honor that they were willing to sit down and talk to a Christian audience about their experience. Um, because they have both experienced a lot of judgment in their life. And so it was really, 
was really great that they were willing to do this. So with gratitude and appreciation, let's launch into this interview on what does straight privilege mean to them? Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Here we are, week three, the final privileged interview. And I can't help but think how privileged all of you are to be listening to this. Are you grateful? I don't know. I hope so. I have two guests here. By the way, I got... Oh, nope. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. So here we are (laughs) with a, a very old friend. Uh... Lisa is on the show. Lisa, I just, just every time I see your face, I think of uh, drinking screwdrivers in inappropriate places. I'm not going to say where, but you thought that would be extra amusing. And you know what? It was. So Lisa, (laughs) thanks for being on the show. That and your advice for my adopted son. Should Should I tell Chris what you said? Go I for would it. hear it. So, so <laughs> Lisa, uh, she could have been on every week. Lisa is a woman. She is African-American and she is gay. So she, she has insight into everything we've been talking about. But I will tell you about some sus- suspicious advice she gave me while we were adopting Elijah. Well, at uh, a meeting that we were both at, she said, oh, you're adopting this little boy from Africa. That's so great. Well, so remember, don't take him to the pool or the beach because he can't swim. And, and you know what? And don't take him to the snow either because that's just frozen water, man. And I looked at Lisa. I did not think of a, a single thing to say. And I think I just said something like, pretty sure anything I say is racist. Uh, and, and then you said, see, you're learning. There you go. So Lisa, um, you brought your friend Chris along. I did. I appreciate you being here, Chris. Hello. So you too get to represent an entire group of people. <laughs> Boy, I'd like to start by saying that I don't really represent an entire group of people. <laughs> I really only speak to myself, but hey, thanks for the vote of confidence, you know? <laughs> So we are starting uh, with trying to unpack what, what does straight privilege mean? Now, that can mean something to each of you, or you might know other people. So your answers don't just have to be your experience, but things that you know others have experienced. 
So where do we start with even defining that? How do we define what straight privilege is? So we were talking earlier about kind of the word privilege and how loaded it is, Mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, I do, um, I've done, uh, I guess, LGBT cultural competence trainings uh, for quite a few years now. And uh, privilege is definitely one of those, one of those pieces that uh, I put a little extra effort in into. Um, so the first thing that I like to talk about is semantics. Mm-hmm. So uh, the word privilege is heavy, not because of the meaning itself, but, of, but because of the, the history behind it. And a lot of, a lot of um, connotations and a lot of, of weight has been added to it because of our culture and our current political situation and just a, just, you know, I guess humanity's tendency towards, um, oppression, you know? (laughs) Um, so I, I think privilege, I define privilege, uh, of any kind as a, A, a part of you, a part of a human being um, that is considered part of a majority mm-hmm. that that affords that affords um, that individual certain assumptions or certain um, uh, amounts of safety in different situations. Uh, like for example, um, I do not have the privilege of walking into a faith community. I'm just going to go ahead and bring that up now. Politics, religion, 30 seconds in. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the right show. This is perfect. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily have the, um, the privilege to walk into any faith community, any church, and assume that I will be accepted or assume that I won't be kicked out. Uh, and that is a privilege that say my brother, who is a straight white man, uh, he, he does have, um, as do the rest of my family. I was just talking with my aunt about this two days ago and she still does not understand the difference between my experience walking into these spaces versus her experience. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of an example, I guess. I, I like to define things by example. Well, I think it's been really nice to hear those types of examples because I, they are the things that a privileged person, it never crosses their mind. So that's, right. that's one thread that's certainly been coming through is, <clears throat> okay, here's a space you walk into and you feel what nervous. Cause it sounds like at the best version is you just get rejected uh, mildly through looks or being put aside. Exactly. The worst case being like told Get out. to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So that's in the back of your mind going in. So do you, what, what do you feel when it might not be a church? It could just be any religion. Well, I mean, it could, I've, I've, um, it's, it's a similar, it's a similar thing as far as, um, uh, when you're talking about the trans community, the transgender community, um, and, um, medical care. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, accessing healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same for any person who is not um, uh, what I would call uh, traditionally, who doesn't present their gender in a traditional manner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing for medical um, like medical providers. So, you know, it, it, when I was looking for a primary care doctor, I literally called five or six different office, offices. And uh, the reason I did this is because in, in my particular experience, um, most doctors, when they walk into the room, they see my name and they have an assumption in their head about who they're going to see in that room. And when they walk in and they see me, it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> not quite sure what to do here, right? So I don't get the privilege of, of being that person who is assumed. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense, and yet I can't. I'm trying to imagine what that would feel like, and I can't right. quite it, wrap my head around it. Feelings are very hard. Um, <laughs> You're not doing a bad job articulating it, but I mean, say that, say that phrase again, that you can't, uh, you don't have the privilege of being assumed. Like, right. Oh, I'm, that's, uh, that's a crazy sentence. Yeah. It's very, it's very descriptive. And yet it still has that. Wow. What does that feel like? It's powerful. <laughs> yeah, it, is. it is. Yeah. Well, Lisa, would you add anything to that definition of, of what it means what what I should understand it means that I am privileged because well, I was, part, I'm straight. Well, I was just thinking that, you know, privilege is things that I think on many levels, many people take for granted. It's just assumed that this is the way it's going to be. Um, this is what I expect, you know, and as Chris was giving examples, I was thinking in terms of being a black woman, and knowing that every place that I'm going to go, 99% of the people are going to be white and they're either going to look at me like, what are you doing here? Or, you know, just go, we've never seen a black person before. And that's kind of why, you know, I tease about, you know, black people don't like snow, black people don't like, you know, we don't like the water, you know, some of the Baby back just, ribs. Right. <laughs> Right. So I was making some ribs and I asked Lisa if she wanted any and she was like, uh, am I black? (laughs) It's so good to know Lisa's not making it easy on any of the white people. (laughs) No, I'm I'm afraid not. But yeah, you know, I was was just thinking, you know, uh, in terms of privilege, just the assumption of being able to walk down the street to hold your partner or your loved one's hand. So, yeah. you know, women can get away with it a little bit more because I think people assume that as women, we are more emotional. But just imagine if you were two guys, you know, or to kiss another woman or to kiss a guy, the reaction from other people, whether it be seen or unseen, is like, you know, what are they doing and why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, and what came to my mind the other day is, you know, people always think about, in terms of gay people, at least in my opinion, it's always about the sex. It's not about the person. Or the relationship was, or the oh, love. Right? Yeah. And so I was thinking, you know, so when you see straight couples with babies, or they talk about, you see a woman that's pregnant, what does that say? It's like, oh, we've had sex. But, but no, most of us, so it's well, like, no. 
Uh, I'm, I'm tracking with you. Is that that is? Uh, hold on, that is that is my son's school calling to tell me that he was certainly tardy for at least two classes today. Because oh. that's my <laughs> nightly call. Uh, <laughs> but I forgot it's connected to the computer, which made me go away. Okay, so what so, what you said? Yes, and, sir. And I hadn't thought of it like that but it's weird now it's creeping me out a little bit i'm so sorry no it's that, <laughs> that's that's great i'm excited about as much as you can creep me out being creeped out yeah the idea that okay here are two men together uh and that the thought goes towards sex like actual physical like them being together yeah that's i mean that's creepy and do you i mean do you feel that I mean, I'm feeling like when I meet people, they're not thinking about me having sex. Right. That, that is my assumption. Well, and I but, don't even think about it. So is that what I, you both? Yes. Especially lesbians. How many times, I mean, uh, <laughs> I am not what you would call feminine, right? But even still, if I am out with my wife, You get men coming and they're like, hey, you guys want a third? Or, hey, you just haven't had the right penis yet. Or, right? you know, it's like, it's like not, not only are they only thinking about sex when they see us, but they're thinking that it's like we just haven't had the right man. Well, you know, there's no way that two women wouldn't want a man in their life. That just doesn't make any sense. Well, not to mention that <laughs> I've never heard any. I mean, maybe if I went to like some sleazy bar you'd hear that kind of stuff but that's not normal things that people say to other human beings oh no, but it's it not. is but but and, it is it is unfortunately so I will tell you, about a month ago or two months ago i went out to novo and i was all dressed up i was looking sharp had on a nice shirt i had on a tie uh, i was all slicked up and some drunk guy came over to me and basically said, why are you dressed like that? Well, don't you just need a good man? I mean, literally, and this was just a few months ago, everything that Chris said, I got that in that conversation. And I was mm -hmm. like, are you freaking kidding me? Mm -hmm. I can't even come out and think I look good. And I got to get this man that says, you know, I don't, I need a good man. And, you know, why am I really like this? And I was like, well, okay, so much for my evening. Right. Wow. I mean, that's another piece of privilege, you know, <laughs> not having to deal with that. <laughs> well, and yeah, not even on a regular basis, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good one. You've brought up some good ones here. Yay. <laughs> sure. Go on. I am listening. What else do I need to know? Educate me. Uh, boy. I mean, well, let's 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 go off of what you said. With they, they see sex, or I kind of feel like adding the possibility that they see the issue of homosexuality and not the people as well. Yes, that's a good uh, observation. Okay, so go from there and tell me some more, Chris. I'm <laughs> I'm collecting. Okay. I'm collecting my words. All right. So while you're collecting, you know, so I guess where I go with that is, you know, in the um, faith community, what many people say, and, and many people in the church that I go to, and, and I love my church and I love my people, I, um, I love the person, but not the sin. 
So they equate being gay or homosexual with that's a sin, just like smoking or adultery or any of those other things. So it's like, I always have to come back with, well, you know, the God that I love or know doesn't see me like that. It, that, that, that the fact that I love somebody that I am still show favor in his eyes, you know? So, you know, I think that is the other privilege is, you know, going to your church. If you find a church, hopefully one where you can be comfortable is that, you know, people are, well, you think, or could be thinking, um, well, they're here, they're still a sinner. And I think we're all sinners in one way or the other, but I think they always think that the gay sin is the bigger sin than any of the other sins and that they're, you know, they're throwing, yes. (laughs) Less sinful. Less (laughs) sinful. Throwing bricks. Tell me if this has been your experience in the church, Lisa, that a lot of Christians, even if they feel like, okay, I can be friends with you or quote, tolerate this part of your life, I still need to explicitly remind you that I don't agree because if I yes. don't actually say it, then I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of hiding. I'm hiding my light under a bushel. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of the repeat. Oh, good. Yeah. Let's hang out. But just remember. Right. And then here it is again. Does that happen? Uh, I have, I have a, I have a, a story that just happened yesterday, actually. Um, so I'm actually visiting family right now and, uh, I was talking with my brother yesterday and my brother, uh, I'm visiting my family in Texas. Maybe I should be clear on that first. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I was talking with him yesterday and he told me something that he's never told me before. Now he's, he has been a, um, a part of a church, a very important part of a church, uh, for quite a few years now, he met his wife in that church. He's raising his children in that church. He was part of the, the, the leadership in that church. And so he tells me yesterday that, um, well, and I visited that church more than once, you know, um, and I was, I was treated pretty well there, you know, um, but still, I still get that kind of feeling like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I really you know, cause I would get looks and people were like, hi, it's nice to meet you. And Oh, I'm leaving now. Um, but you know, uh, my brother told me, um, yesterday that when I got married to my wife, um, of course I wanted my brother there and all his entire family, my nieces, my nephews, you know, my sister-in-law and, and, uh, the church pastor and the uh, second in charge, uh, both went up to my brother independently of each other and said, if you go to your sister's wedding, you are turning your back on God. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, uh, and my brother basically said, you know, fuck you and flew out and stayed with me for two weeks <laughs> with his family, you know? Um, but he never told me that. You know, uh, nor did he ever suggest I visit his church again after that, mm. though. Yeah. So uh, just that's that was my assumption of what what would happen, you know, and uh, and I wish I could say I was surprised when he told me that that that's what he encountered. Um, so my brother 
is not, my brother is not afforded the privilege of entering his faith community without judgment either. Wow. Yeah. Nor many faith communities here just because of his association with me, because of his love, his acceptance of me. Man, you just, your brother just became a type of, of Jesus. Right. Because he also yeah. wasn't uh, afforded the privilege of fitting into his faith community for the right. exact same reason. That's, right. that's kind of interesting when you were talking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, why is this? This is 2,000 years later. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. Story. I know. Wow. That's, so that, uh, that certainly goes back to the uh, issue. You right. know, you, you became an issue. The issue mm-hmm. gay exactly. Not the person, Chris. Not me. I'm I'm pretty amiable, likable, you know. I'm a good person. I think so. Right? Yeah. It's just uh, you know, if 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 it's just it's it's hard because it's so many people can't get past that and don't even want to. Right. Because they're so distracted by that one part of me. And there's I mean, each of us is this like this conglomerate, this 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 mass of different things where where our experiences, where our, our history, where our hopes and our dreams, where our identities, where so many different things all rolled up into one. And yes, my, my gender identity and my sexual orientation have a, a big impact on who I am, but just, a bi- just as big of an impact is being who I am in our culture, mm-hmm. in this world. So it's... I don't know where I was going with that. I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> but <laughs> it felt good when it came out. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Okay. <laughs> no, no I, I, I appreciate it. These are, these are all things that, uh, I mean, the wedding stuff, especially, I've thought a lot about because of friends that got married and mm-hmm. neighbors and having to go through that same thought process that, you know. Yeah. As a Christian, like, oh, am I going to get that other side of the judgment? So. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of my wife's family did not attend the wedding because of their religious beliefs. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that was certainly, uh, that was a very difficult part of, of, of that whole process for us. Mm was thinking who is, who is going to come? Who do we still need to invite just for the sake of being polite and family, you know? Um, and who should we expect and who should we really hope doesn't come? Who do we want to not invite because we don't want them there <laughs> because we know that they don't accept who we are. Well, I imagine you even sending an invitation is inviting certain people that you felt like you have to invite your brother's best friend, Bob, but then Bob's going to maybe feel obligated to let you know why he's not coming. Yes. So I guess. And we did have some folks write back on the invitation. This is why we're not coming. Yeah. We're not coming because we don't agree. And when I say some, there were two family guests who responded in that manner. So it wasn't a huge amount, but it was still hard, you know? Yeah. Boy, when I sent out my wedding invitations, I just assumed people would come or not come, but I wouldn't get any critique on my relationship with Jenny. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's the privilege. That's a privilege. Yeah. That's the thing that you don't even have to think about that. You don't have to think about, 
You know, are you going to be accepted? Who's going to say what? Are you going to lose a job? Are you going to lose a friend? You know, coming out every single time you meet somebody new or you go to a new job, it's like, okay, how are they going to react? Is this going to cause a problem? You know, and I remember back in my younger days, um, I worked for a friend who had a pool and spa business. And we lost a couple of customers because they figured out I was gay and they didn't want a gay person cleaning their spa. You know, what? right, right, right. But they were you know, going to catch the gays when it was going to happen. I was going to leave. Somehow. I was going to leave a cootie. The, you know? <laughs> the gay is pretty quick, you know. It's, it, I guess it so. I mean, I think it's, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're pretty powerful in that, in that, in that uh, respect. But, you know, so <laughs> when you think about privilege, most people don't think about having to essentially come out to somebody every single time. You go, you meet somebody, it is, you're either going to be friends or you're not, but there's not all this other connotation that goes mm-hmm. along with it you know and i always so i've adopted the attitude you know pretty much where i work that the people are either going to like it or they're going to leave because i'm Mm -hmm. not leaving because most people do love me um Mm -hmm. and i haven't lost a lot of friends in the process of coming out i i have a few church friends that are you know kind of so so and you know it really is quite a stressful and emotional process you know like i'm saying in terms of meeting people you know you make friends but then there's that extra oh okay so when do i let them know i'm gay why do i really right. have to let them know i'm gay you know so, so i want to say i want to say something incredibly okay. controversial that okay go wrong but i'm going to say it out loud first and then you can fix it okay i like it so being gay is actually far harder than being a woman or being black because everybody sees that you're a woman and sees that you're black. So you take mm. out the entire thing you just described, which means at some point you feel like you have to out yourself to everybody versus at some point in the conversation, I should let them know I'm black. That's not happening. Right. <laughs> They're just. By the way, I need to tell you something. <laughs> All right, fix me now. I just want to say that controversial thing. I, I don't, I don't you know, know I, I agree it, with it. <laughs> right. I um I would actually say uh I have tended to believe I mean, honestly, it's apples and oranges. Okay. Um, you know, as uh, you know, women um are women, you know, and they are they are generally known to be women. Right. And so when they walk into a room, it's like, oh, you're a woman, exactly. you know? Yeah. Uh, and so that means that there's no, there's no coming out process, right? right. But there's also no hiding it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and there's no control over that. There's a lot of control over, well, at least there should be. There's often, sometimes, hopefully, some control over coming out how somebody does it to whom, when, right. um, That's true. but, but, uh, but if, you know, if you are, you know, a, a person of color, if you're a Latino, if you're black, if you're, uh, I, whatever, you know, whatever, um, then it's pretty, it's there, 
out, right. you know? Yeah. Cause my, uh, when we adopted my son from Ethiopia, we talked with other parents who are adopting from Russia and places like that, where everybody assumes it's a natural child. Right. And even the child themselves, you have to plan for that time to explain it to them. Cause the kid won't know that, you know, they won't naturally know. And that that was so much easier for us having a child who was black because it, it just everybody sees this is probably uh, adopted or foster and even they know that difference early on mm. so it, it I, I never thought about that being simpler but mm. just what you described and your point's really good that you don't have as much control over the other things but the idea that you have to continually you know it's not just a one coming out it's just an ongoing part of life that you have Always. to make that decision oh yes i mean that's that's crazy Daily. That's always something to consider as far as, you know, um, you know, when I'm looking for employment, when I'm going to a gas station, when I'm deciding to visit a different country or city, um, that is always a consideration. You know, what will, will my, will my legal rights be the same where I'm headed? Oh yeah. Um, will, will I be able to be in public and affectionate with my wife? without without fear of you know being acted aggressively towards or you know um it's all kinds of things but i i was just thinking um i have something that might blow your mind maybe hopefully uh, uh, i feel like i'm talking it up a bit now <laughs> <laughs> you know what, here's, here's what i want to do before you start Okay. Take a quick break and then we're okay. going to come back and my mind is going to be blown. I'm going to get a hat. I'm going to make my preparations <laughs> and we'll be right back on the okay. podcast. We are back on the Pirate Monk podcast. Boy, that was a crazy break. You guys have no idea. We, uh, <laughs> the song I play for you might only go for about a minute and 20, but that was longer. Uh, and Chris was about to blow my mind. Blow my mind, Chris. Well, all right then. So basically, I wanted to talk about all of the privileges that I enjoy. So I've been talking a lot about the privileges that are not afforded to me personally. Mm. So I'd like to talk about some of the ones that are, because I think it's important, you know, it's important to, even for me as somebody who, you know, is, does not have straight privilege. Um, I do have others. So for example, um, 
believe it or not, I may have a German last name, but I am 100% Latin. Uh, I am half, yeah, I am half Cuban, uh, half Mexican. So my mother is first generation here in the United States. And my father is first generation here from Cuba. I'm sorry, second generation here from Cuba. Okay. Uh, and um, my father has very, very light skin, but my mother does not. My mother looks like a, an adorable old Mexican woman. Short hair, you know, I mean, just adorable. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she, she is not afforded uh, the privilege of having light skin. Mm. Uh, so I am most of the time when people see me and interact with me, I mean, I, I look white, I act white, yeah. you know, I grew up, you know, I, I grew up knowing how to be white, <laughs> you know, uh, but I also have a lot of, you know, a lot of Latin background, you know, in my history and my family. I feel like if my family heard me right now, they'd be like, get falta de respeto, you know, tu familia. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but I do, I do have privilege because of that. You know, there's a lot of times, you know, if, if my last name was something like my mother's, so my mother's last name is Gomez, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry. If my last name was Gomez, as opposed to what it is, uh, <laughs> um, that is not something that I would necessarily have. You know, and, you know, my mom I've seen has to work pretty hard to attain respect in her field. She's a counselor. Mm. Um, so uh, she's she's got to work so hard to to keep the respect of her peers and her colleagues and her co-workers um, here in Texas. You know, and a lot of that is because of her heritage. Um, so I don't have to deal with that. Another thing, um, is, you know, while I, I am not what, what I would describe as a traditional, I don't present in a traditional way as far as my biological sex is concerned. Um, I am a biological female, but my presentation is more masculine and that's okay that is more okay than a biological male who is presenting mm. as or who is Good presenting point. as feminine. And I, I, when I say that's not okay, I don't mean that's actually objectively not okay. What I mean is that um, people who present in that manner are often punished for it more harshly mm. when they are, in a sense, rejecting their masculinity. Because why would someone reject that which gives them privilege? Uh, see. Boy, that even goes back to the, uh, I'm just thinking as children, there's an acceptable age for a girl to be a tomboy and it's still, and, but there is no age. I don't even know what the male version of a tomboy going the other direction. Anyways, the, the opposite is not okayed or affirmed at any age. Right. Right. I mean, not, not traditionally, not in our culture. Right. Wow. That is interesting. So uh, those are, those are just, those are a few ways that I do enjoy some privilege Mm -hmm. and I am extremely aware of those privileges. Um, And and a lot of that is because I, I do not have others. So. 
Yeah. So one thing that guests have said, I think that's important to remind the audience, uh, we, we have not yet heard any guest say that any of my privileges are a consequence of anything I did. I didn't do something wrong. It's not my fault and it's not necessarily bad. And everybody has some set of privileges that others don't. Um, and so it's, I think that's important because it takes a little of the defensiveness off. This isn't a personal accusation. No, this is being able-bodied, um, being thin mm. or athletic, um, being, I mean, there, there's so many, there's so many ways that there's so many ways or, 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 um, aspects of being human that can either afford you, um, some extra, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. And this, this is when language kind of fails me a little bit, you know, it's, it's easier for me to describe this in an example rather than in, in, in words. That's Cause fine. again, feelings are hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> basically, you know, like for example, being able-bodied, I take it for granted quite a bit that I'm an able-bodied person. You know, I don't have to worry about walking upstairs. I don't have to worry about having to walk all the way to the back of a building in order to find the the necessary ramp that I need to enter the building. You know, especially if it's something like going to the DMV. You know, I've got to go all the way over here and all the way over here. And, and you know, anyway, um, those are things that, and, you know, like my, my wife, one of, she was taking classes and one of the things that she had to do in her class is she had to look at city parks and uh, determine how uh, friendly they were to non-able-bodied people and ways in which they could be, um, you know, be altered or changed so that uh, children who are not able-bodied or who are you know, living with a disability, um, how they can also enjoy that, that play area, you know? Um, so there's so many ways in which privilege is is inherent in in everybody's life, whether it's you are born with that privilege um, or not. But everybody, boy, that's weird. Now I'm thinking about especially race and sexuality. If if you tell someone you're able-bodied, so you enjoy a lot of privileges that a person in a wheelchair doesn't or can't. Most people immediately feel a sense of like empathy or sympathy and totally agree with that. And yet when we talk about these privileges, it's that's not my first reaction to a lot of different privileges. But that one, for some reason, is just easy. So why in the world would I not accept it the same way? All these other types of privileges. That's a good question. I I think it's... uh... I think it's human nature and judgments and we all, I think we all have something that's really just, I don't know. I think, I just want to say, I think it is human nature. I think for some reason we forget how to treat each other with just basic human decency. And, um, I think that would go just a long ways, even just that to go, you know, okay, you're a little different, but you're another human being. Uh, We believe the same. We do things the same. 
what makes you, you know, what makes that I should uh, dislike you or um, treat you so badly just because of this one difference. Hmm. Yeah. Shouldn't be as complicated as it seems to be. I want to ask you guys a question that I, I'm afraid because it might sound stupid. So I'm just saying that right now. I've been doing this a long time, I so know, it's I not going to surprise me. I trust, <laughs> I trust you, Chris. So I've, I've had a, a couple opportunities to, uh, to walk in the shoes of a gay person. I was once Ooh. on an accidental gay date. Uh, Were they high heels? I'm sorry. That was totally inappropriate. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, no, go ahead. That was was so wrong. You just made me think of the time time I met RuPaul, and boy, was RuPaul tall, especially with those high heels. My (laughs) word. That's awesome. So so I was on an accidental gay date once that I was set up on, and I didn't know. I thought I was just hiking with three other people. I didn't know it was a double date that they had set me up on till halfway through. That was unusual. Good experience. <laughs> wow. That was wow. unusual. I was set up on a straight date once, had no idea. So we had the same experience. It was so uncomfortable. I was like, we were supposed to be out here with a bunch of friends and I were alone together. I don't know. (laughs) You obviously have something in mind that I do not. (laughs) I know. The worst part is I didn't find out until we went and took a walk. We had hiked down the cliff, so I'm utterly stuck uh, with no ride. And then at one point, uh, he said, hey, you want to go take a walk along the beach? I thought it was to give the other couple privacy. So I said, yes, I did not know oh. that was the turning of the date. Uh, I was so out of the loop. Uh, so, oh, my God. It was good. But the, the bigger one was when I w- went to pick up my adopted son and took his stepfather. So we're two men uh, on our way to go do an adoption. And now here's my silly question. Uh-huh. We're at the doctor's getting a bunch of vaccinations and we're, we're doing it together because we're just getting our stuff ready so we can go to Africa. And at one point, the doctor says, okay, so what are you guys doing going to Africa? And I don't remember how I phrased it, but evidently it wasn't clear because he thought I meant that Phil and I were going to get our adopted child. And there was like this shift where the doctor became, he started talking to us like, babies he's like oh i'm so proud of you guys oh I, it was just like weird super weird <laughs> and odd and i i'm so glad you said that because i walked out and said to phil do all gay people have to put up with people talking to them like that because that was just weird i have not i have been i have for me the largely my experience with a doctor who is uncomfortable is i'm going to get in and I'm going to not talk to you, and then I'm going to leave as quickly as possible well, and wow. not make any eye contact. <laughs> the problem was this guy wasn't uncomfortable. He was super supportive of our decision, <laughs> and he just backed <laughs> us up. And so it just... Oh, uh, so what else do I need to... What, what have I not thought of with things that I enjoy that I don't even realize I'm enjoying? Um... You know, uh, I work at a human services agency and 
uh, I've also given, um, I've also given workshops at several other, other human services agencies whose services range from, you know, intimate partner violence prevention to, uh, rape and sexual assault and like, um, help and support resources, uh, food banks, uh, even, uh, the brothers, little brothers, big brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, one of the things that I always try to explain is how, uh, the assumption is not, at least for, for me, um, and from what I've heard, people either my age or older, uh, the assumption is not that I'm going to walk into this social service agency and they're going to help me out. It's that here I am and I am in a very dangerous or vulnerable position. I have absolutely no other choice. And I'm, I am terrified about what is happening in my life. And I'm also terrified because I need help and this is the only help I have. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the help that I need. I don't know if I'm going to be turned away. I don't know if, if I'm going to get attitude from the people who work there. I don't know if I'm going to be treated equally with people who are going who are not gay. So how um, often do those questions like literally go through your mind? So, so you walk in and you're like flooded with those types of thoughts. So I guess here's another example. <laughs> there was one time when I was, uh, I was really in need of some, um, some support with mental health. I was going through a pretty tough time. Uh, and I think I was, I was pretty depressed, pretty ang- anxious, and lo- lots of stuff was kind of blowing up in my life, kind of like a co-host. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I knew that I needed help because I was in a pretty dangerous position. Uh, but I also felt very vulnerable because I was in the buckle of the Bible belt at the time, uh, in Texas, the buckle of the Bible belt in Texas. And, um, and I was not very, um, I, I didn't, I didn't really believe that I was going to be able to get the help that I needed, but I knew I had to try so I walked into the counseling center at the university I was attending without much hope, but I walked in there and I thought, okay, I just, I need to just give it a shot. And as I was walking through those doors in my mind, I was thinking of all of the, all of the ways that I needed to protect myself, you know, is the person who I talked to going to be, you know, overly preoccupied with my sexual orientation, which had absolutely nothing to do with the reason why I was there mm-hmm. um, is uh, is the person who I'm going to speak with, you know, are they going to try to convert me and, and, uh, and say that, you know, I should be more feminine and, and I just shouldn't be gay, you know, um, and all my problems will be solved or, you know, I, I don't know. I've, 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 I've heard horror stories and well, and I walk in there and it, it's a beautiful thing what I see are, you know, there's maybe 10 offices in this building, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, about four of them have little rainbow stickers on the outside of their doors. And I see that and it's like this enormous weight just comes off of my shoulders. And, and I think to myself, it's going to be okay because you know what? I, 
there's something here that's indicating that these people are going to see me as a human being, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what I need right now. Because if I'm in this place where I'm at and I'm trying to get help and that help is going to become a source of trauma for me, I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, what a sentence that is. I don't know. Help is going to be a source of trauma for me. Right. So yeah. I, I, I lucked out in the office I walked into had a little rainbow sticker and, you know, one, there, there's several times when there's people in my life who've saved my life. And, um, that one of them is sitting right next to me actually. Uh, but that was one of those times when, you know, what I, I needed, I needed to feel safe in a space and be able to talk about and be vulnerable. And I was able to get that. So, but I was not, I, I feel like that's pretty miraculous, frankly. <laughs> so, um, but that is an example of one of those times when I've, I have gone into a service agency. Um, there's other times when, um, you know, uh, this didn't happen to me, but I did hear about a, um, a, a a client of ours who was homeless and had ended up in uh, the Bay area and uh, was trying to find shelter for the night. And they were rejected from all of the shelters because they were transgender. So they weren't allowed in the men's shelter and they weren't allowed in the women's shelter. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they had nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what would both of you say if, you know, a a Christian person said, all right, what do I need to be aware of or how do I need to act or speak so that I can get the right information to make these situations easier, to make them more appropriate? Because I think a lot of the wrong assumptions lead to even unintentionally insulting conversations. Mm -hmm. So, so what do privileged people need to know? And now, <laughs> they, and now I'm watching do. the time because we did use so much time with our uh, pre-part. Trying to get on. <laughs> I'm not blaming yeah. anyone, Lisa. I'm not blaming anyone. It's, it's uh, all right. I got broad shoulders. I think what privileged <laughs> people need to know is treat people with respect. Treat them like you would want to be treated. I mean, and particularly if you know we're talking Christian people. You know, treat you know treat one another like you would want somebody to treat you, and and that would open the door for conversation or to ask questions because we all don't know things about each other, and there's a lot of stuff that you know there's things that I'm learning about Chris and things about how 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 do you talk to a transgender person or how do you, you know what do you say so that you're not offensive? So if it's coming from a place of wanting to help and wanting to be genuine, then I think anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I was going to say a, a place of love, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. isn't that the golden rule? Um, yes. Treat others as you wish to be treated. Yes. You know, I wish to be treated with, with respect to my humanity and I wish to be seen as a human being who is, who is made up of, you know, a, an innumerable number of different parts to who I am. I'm a pretty complex soul. You know, and uh, a lot of times people don't see that or don't, I guess, I don't know, maybe just don't want to. 
So I think I know the answer to this, but if somebody came up to either of you and was genuine and asked questions, like I feel pretty comfortable asking all these questions today, even my question, which I knew was silly, but I had to finally ask it. Uh, (laughs) And I'm so glad it's not normal. Uh, If people came up to you and wanted to have a discussion and you knew that they were doing it from a place of love, are you easily offended in that situation? Are you pretty open to the conversation? Pretty open. Uh, I personally, I'm pretty open. I, I, uh, I'm basically willing to talk and, and answer questions. And, you know, um, it's not, it's not the responsibility of everybody in the LGBT community, you know, to, to, but, I am willing to be a person who does. Yeah. And I'm, I, and I'm sure that conversation would make more sense in the context of an actual friendship or relationship. Uh, you know, so listeners, I'm not necessarily saying if, if you see, you know, two men holding hands to go up and say, from a place of love, I have some gay questions for you. No, that's not what I'm saying. Cause that's, that's weird. Everybody will think that's weird. That's weird. That's that's not mm-hmm. sensitivity when they don't want to talk to you. That's all you. <laughs> no. All right. And now I've made that part clear. Uh, so, Lisa, you've given kind of the overall dignity, just thinking, how would I want to be treated, especially if I was in a situation where all the stuff you've both described, where you feel uh, afraid, how, how am I going to be accepted or rejected here? All those things kind of on us to be extra sensitive because it's harder for you in that situation right that i think so i don't know about extra sensitive i think just sensitive that just goes a long ways there you go you lowered the bar for us yeah well i mean anybody it can be vulnerable you know that they're there it's the human condition that there are times when when we are vulnerable and that's that can be a difficult place to be regardless of who you are or anything, you know, it's just remember that we are all human. That's really what matters. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, I I feel like there's so many more things we should talk about. This this (laughs) feels utterly insufficient, but hopefully it has been insightful for our listeners to, to get your perspectives. Thank you so much for taking the time and being willing to give me some things to to think about and chew on. Well, thanks for inviting us and asking us. It's uh, been a privilege and a great, uh, it's been great. It's, it's been pretty cool. Full circle. It's been a privilege. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And we will be right back on the pirate monk podcast.
Well, we are back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. What a heartbreaking conversation, Aaron. Uh, and it calls to mind that admonition that we have from our Lord, which is that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And there doesn't seem to be any qualification on that command. It's not that we are only to love our neighbor uh, when we agree with his or her behavior. Uh, none at all. And uh, thank you for that uh, loving, listening conversation. I, I appreciated both of them, and, and I think there were a number of insights I had never considered before. So it mm-hmm. opened up my eyes a bit more to to what they they have experienced. And uh, yeah, that should create some compassion, even uh, regardless of where you stand on the different uh, issues within the church or decisions the church has to make. Uh, these aren't issues. These are people. And that was right. their experience. So I want to thank them again for helping us out on this. And uh, for those of you that are like, why are you guys messing with, with these topics? We are here to talk about sex, darn it. Uh, <laughs> this ends, this concludes our three-part series on privilege. We'll get back to sex soon. <laughs> hey, uh, one quick plug at the end. I want, there are uh, a couple of weeks left for guys to uh, register for the upcoming uh, Samson Society weekend in Middle Tennessee. You're coming out, right, Aaron? I am coming out. All right. And now I might. <laughs> now I might be. <laughs> yeah. You heard it. Aaron is coming out at this retreat. I will be coming out. Uh, yeah, I might all of a sudden be bringing my daughter. So I'm going to have to let your wife know and see if she's okay hanging out with Abby while we're oh, at the man. retreat. Yeah, we'll have to. T- uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, no, I want to talk about it. I just had a knee replacement, but we'll see. We'll we'll work something out. We'll work something out. Some some chick monk, uh, some pirate's wife might be willing to participate in this. There you go. I I miss the chick monks. And and guys, you can can secure your spot at the uh, retreat with a deposit of just $48. And you can do that by going to the samsonsociety.org or samsonsociety.com website. There's a banner right there on the front page. Love to see you. Love to spend some time. That is going to be fun. Yes. uh, With other guys. It's going to be good. All right. Well, I think that wraps it for this episode. Yes, it does. Um, Until next week, I'm Nate. And I am, I wanted a better name. (laughs) I want to be Pepe again. Do you? Pepe. All right. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. If a custom tailored vet asks me out for something wet, when the vet begins to pet, I cry hooray. But I'm always truly a darling in my fashion. Yes, I'm always truly a darling in my way. I've been asked to have a meal. By a big tycoon.